Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29 of Peachtree Hoops podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. Today is trade deadline day. We've got uh, Hawks Nuggets on tap in a few days. And to talk about today's moves and the upcoming Nuggets Hawks game, I'm here with Quentin Alberti of uh, Hawks Hoop. I always get like the plural, not plural of that site messed up. Is it? Know, it's, it's Hawks really Hoop. Hawks yeah. Hoops. Hawk Hawk, hoop. Hawks Hoops. Yeah. I, I forget where the S's go. <laughs> yeah, Hawks Hoops. <laughs> <laughs> and Slam Online. I'm here with Quentin Halberti. Quentin, welcome to the program. Thank you. How you doing, uh, man? Good. How are you? Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. How is life treating you uh, when we're not covering the Hawks? Or at least not covering them in person. Honestly, I like to work hard and play hard, but there's nowhere to play. So, <laughs> put it like that. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> well, let's uh, let, let's start with uh, trade deadline day, and uh, one of the more interesting trades involved the Nuggets. Um, so I'm I'm in I'm interested to hear what you thought of the deal that brought in Aaron Gordon, and what it sort of means for the Nuggets franchise. Well, you know, most people uh, or anybody, you know, that I guess follows me on any like social media knows like I've really been pushing for the Aaron Gordon move for like a week. Like, and I don't know what happened one day. I just was like, you know who really would work? <laughs> like Aaron Gordon. Because he reminds me of Jeremy Grant. Now, I guess I never thought of that before because he had these expectations, you know, from when he got drafted, as everybody does. And he right. didn't live up to those. And so, you know, Nobody really thinks that Aaron Gordon is going to be a piece. And particularly when you're drafted high up, you know, people think about your offense. And, you know, admittedly, he's, you know, he's not a great shooter. You know, really doesn't do anything great in particular, actually, on offense. But, I mean, he's shooting a career high from three this year. But, you know, just looking at the course of his career, I guess, if you want to really rely on him for a clutch shot, you're not going to be like Aaron Gordon. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I think defensively, He's the person that you need to replace the Jeremy Grant, the the, the guy that you're going to have covering LeBron specifically uh, when it comes to, you know, who they had met up with in the Western Conference Finals last year. Uh, you could even meet up with Kawhi, and there's just a whole bunch of great dominant wings. Adrenal. Even if you want to talk about them going to the finals, maybe they meet up with the Nets and have to face off with Kevin Durant or the Bucks had to face off with, you know, Giannis. Uh, and, and even if, they face the Sixers, he could, you know, do a little bit with Ben Simmons. That'd be interesting, you know, defensive matchup right there. So I think he was really just a real smart piece to get. And as long as people aren't looking for anything special, I guess, particularly on offense, I think they'll be real satisfied with that. Uh, and then uh, JaVale, you know, it's, it's, it's a guy that's going to come off the bench. And, you know, he's a Shaq and the Fool, you know, MVP, as people know. But he's a guy who's actually matured over the years. And I don't think a lot of people think about that with JaVale, but he's a three-time champion, won the championship in each of the last three years. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, and that's another thing. The, the, the Nuggets are obviously going to make it back to the playoffs. You want a guy who knows what it's been like. And it's, it's been with multiple teams. So he, he, you know, he can find common denominators that other guys might not be able to find. And you want a guy like that. And plus, he's played in Denver before, so he's familiar with the, the franchise in general. So, you know, I think it was real good for them. 
Okay. I have so many questions and I want to talk about JaVale again too, but what do you, I actually want to backtrack to Gordon for a minute. What do you, what do you think about the price? Uh, Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, first round pick. Are there, are there restrictions on this first round pick or what? Uh, I think uh, Zach Lowe has said that is top five protected from basically for like three years, something like that. Okay. Uh, basically, I think 2025, 2026, maybe 2027. I have to double check that to be sure. But yeah, top five protected. Um, and uh, so, you know, but, you know, first round picks, uh, you know, that's to be expected, I guess you could say. So as far as that, I guess that's cool. Gary Harris, I'm a bit on the fence about because if you're trying to improve your defense, it seems like trading Gary Harris definitely goes against the grain uh, in terms of the thought process. But then, you know, every team has the financial things to look at. And uh, Gary Harris is going to make $40 million over the, over this season and the next. And, uh, you know, is that the, you know, he, he gets, he's real injury prone. You know, talented defensive player. He's got real inconsistent on offense. And, you know, now you have to pay him a lot. You know, so, and then you're going to have all these extra issues when it comes to rotation because uh, you added in Aaron Gordon. So I guess it was just addition by subtraction. Uh, but, you know, overall, when you look at trading away RJ and, and Gary Harris, you have to wonder if they really improve their defense and, you know, overall, at least in terms of the perimeter. Uh, and I know Nuggets fans definitely love Gary Harris and RJ Hampton too. He was like, became like an early fan forever. He, if you follow him on Twitter, he is, he's a character. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you can tell he's like one of the young guys, like a generation Z guy. <laughs> I, think that's, I think it's pretty cool though. You know what I mean? Like, you know, often see, like, like guys, well, you know, in the last couple of years, you got John Moran and guys like that, like trying to connect with the fans on Twitter. But you don't often see like, he got right to it right when he was drafted, and I and I loved it. So I think, uh, you know, fans are going to be sad to see them gone. And like I said, the the defense should improve, although it's a bit of a question. Uh, but you know, it's just something I think that is more of a sense of mental loss uh, more than anything uh, when it comes to the Nuggets. Okay, and. Uh... To, to get near and dear to my heart here, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the future of Paul Millsap. Ooh. <laughs> so I guess, I guess let, let me start with this. Let's say uh, Jokic goes to the bench. Is, is it going to be, can you like put Millsap out there with Aaron Gordon and have those be your two bigs? You know. Or is I there think, somebody else in the picture? Uh, okay. Well, you know, they're going to, uh, like I said, we, we discussed your bill. Uh, I think, Michael Green is a guy who could play the five sometimes. Uh, so I think it's going to be probably situational more than anything because you're not going to really want JaVale out there in certain matchups. And, and then, then Millsap and uh, Jermichael Green had their own – I mean, I think Jermichael Green is more capable of playing the five than Paul Millsap, you know, at this stage of his career. But, you know, uh, it's not like Malone is going to let Millsap sit on the bench, that's for sure. So <laughs> – you know, like we all love Millsap, and that includes Michael Malone. So I'm sure he's going to at least give him some run. Uh, but it does seem as if Millsap's minutes, at the very least, are going to be the ones that are cut out of anybody's. That makes sense. I, I, I I've been a, a big advocate for that. Like I, th- I, th- I, I like the idea of of playing Millsap as sort of your defensive center, but giving him like rebounding help with somebody like Aaron Gordon. I think that's uh. I think that would be good for him at this stage of his career, but we'll have to see him. And then to kind of take it back to JaVale, or maybe you already said this, but is, 
is he kind of a guy who's just in the rotation or are there going to be times where you get to a playoff series and it's like, yeah, this probably isn't your playoff series, JaVale. But then, you know, there'll be another series where you're playing Gobert or somebody and you're like, okay, you're yeah, in yeah, now. That's what I'm saying. There are certain, and even if we look at the opposite way, like if you're facing a Jazz, you don't really want Millsap, maybe. You know what I'm saying? Right. Trying to go Gobert or really, you know, any of their, their backups that they have out there on that center. So that might be a series where it's uh, Jermichael Green and, and JaVale, you know, doing their thing more. But if you go against uh, – I don't know, say maybe the Clippers, you know, they have Ibaka. And so that that's, you know, Ibaka's going to draw guys out on the perimeter all the time. So, you know, JaVale's specialty, his, his first instinct is going to be to guard on, uh, you know what I'm saying, on the inside. So maybe that's not a series he's in more, but you get Jermichael Green and Paul Mills that more. So, like, you're right. I think it might be more dependent on the, the matchups they have than anything. Well, and I think, you know, they, they might, of course, start trying to do that, practice that now before the playoffs, especially since they don't actually practice, <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> not this year, <laughs> but you, you know what I'm saying? I, I really do think that Michael Malone, I mean, it's a good problem to have, you know what I mean? To be able to have situational like players, if it comes down to that, especially in the front court. Cause I think that a lot of things nowadays get, I mean, the guards get talked about and rightfully so, but the front court has changed probably more than anything in the NBA over the last, you know, five, ten years because at first, you know, guys were guys were in the paint. You know what I mean? Like sixteen feet and in. But now you there's no telling like what lineup a coach could put out there. So I, I think it's really important to have a very versatile front court in particular. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna bring up an instance of of me being wrong, but uh just to kind of set up an analogy here. When the Hawks got Jabari Parker yeah, I was like, okay, he's a young guy, you know. Maybe, and he he was he's clearly younger than than what Gordon is now, I think. But um, you know, I looked at who he had at point guard over the yeah. course of his career, and it's like if you just kind of list it out, like, okay, he's been you know Jabari's been in the league five seasons, and his point guards were, and then just tick the boxes down the line. It's like, wow, those are terrible point guards, <laughs> right? Um, I wonder, you know, to to bring it to Aaron Gordon now, does does life change for him a little bit playing with Jokic? I you know Jokic is not a point guard, but that's sort of where the offense is is coming through. Like, does life get easier for Aaron Gordon now? Yeah, well, so I think you know the Joker could make anybody's life easier. You know what I mean? And I, we're really interested to see some of the high low stuff they might be able to come up with out there. Uh, and you know, to that point. You know, Pooch isn't like some terrible, you know, patch or whatever, but they definitely neither. I feel like you could combine Vooch's playmaking and Marco Fultz's playmaking, and it wouldn't compare to Joker's playmaking by itself. Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah, he's definitely with like a, you know, he's not a point guard, like you said, but, you know, like a point guard. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I think yeah. that is actually, you know, pretty good for Gordon to be playing with somebody who can really set him up and, and utilize him on cuts and all these other things they could do, run him off of screens and, you know, get fun with it. Right. Yeah. Boy, you could, you, you could, it could get pretty, pretty crazy. Uh, and do like four or five pick and rolls and all kinds of weird That's five, 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 four pick and rolls and dribble handoff stuff with those two. And I don't know. I'm intrigued. I think it's a good fit. I like it. 
Yeah, <laughs> it's fun. Actually, you, you made me think about it a little bit more than I have been, but yeah, that sounds real fun. Like, you know, just though that pairing together in particular, as a matter of fact. And I think somebody, uh, you know, in, in Nuggets Man had said it earlier, but I think they've been wanting Gordon there for, you know, next to Joker for, for a long time. So, you know, they might have already seen it coming. So <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued. I want – if you could have your pick, and again, just throwing like salary and everything else out the window, just, you know, imagine like similar length contracts or similar money, just we'll, 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 you know, go to a land of make-believe here for this one. But like, if you just had to pick sort of in abstraction without paying attention to money or contracts, if you had your choice between Jeremy Grant and Aaron Gordon, who would you pick? Ooh. <laughs> oh, good. I'm asking good questions then if I got you thinking like that. that. That was a great question. I'll really go with Jeremy Grant. Yeah, okay. I might not have that before this season. But I think Jeremy Grant has proven that he could be like a, a two, like a true two-way guy. You know what I mean? Right. Like he, he, like even if Gordon was better on defense, Jeremy Grant clearly has been more productive on offense. You know what I mean? Like just in his one season, you could see that he could do more. Not watch a couple of Pistons games. Like nobody's really going to sit there and watch the Pistons all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean he proved me wrong. I mean I looked at that and I was like, oh yeah, he wants more role on offense, sure, <laughs> and he did it. Like I, I, I was wrong. Yeah, honestly, like when he, I think everybody was like, oh, okay, you want to be the number one guy, like like Jeremy <laughs> Grant type right. thing. Like, but at the same time, he, like I'm a big like you know I'm a big proponent of people betting on themselves. So I was like, and that's what he did, and he. I mean, you look at his numbers. At first, he was hot. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like he could. Was apparently, he couldn't be stopped. You know, yeah. his like his numbers have fell down a little bit. Of course, it's going to happen when players get used to you and then teams are loading up on you, especially when you play for a team like the Pistons with limited weapons. Right. Right. So he's getting a lot of attention. Yeah. So you know, but at the same time, still averaging twenty three a game. Uh, we talked about Jamal Murray uh, last year in the playoffs, like as if he was a superstar. He was averaging twenty six a game. You know what I mean? That's three point per game difference. So, yeah, in a vacuum, without looking at any other thing, <laughs> I guess I would have picked Jeremy Grant. Although I would like to say I wish you would have asked me this in one more season, so I had a little bit more. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> I'm intrigued. Like I, I think I, it, I keep talking myself into this. Like the more I think about it, the more I'm like, oh, this, this is. I don't know. It just feels like the right piece. I don't know. You always have to worry. I just worry about like he has to stay healthy. I feel like if he stays healthy, this is this is gonna be like an ideal pairing. But we'll see. Oh yeah, he he has to stay healthy because uh, I mean otherwise, it's really no point. <laughs> but you know, uh, I think I do think like you said, like. I would, like I said, I've been talking about the defense more than anything, but as we discussed with him and, and, and Joker together specifically, like it could actually be just great for them on both sides, especially if Malone can find a way to figure out that little jumbo they have in the front court. Uh, maybe let me let's, let's turn it to some other teams here. Uh, any thoughts on Evan Fournier to Boston for two second round picks? You know. Evan Fournier to Boston, and who else? Oh, you know, and I, I, I think later on they added Jeff Teague to that deal, as a matter of fact. Uh, okay. Yeah. Right, uh, right, 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 right. Yeah, somehow he was involved in it. But, but you know, he's going to get bought out. Oh, yeah, I just wanted to just bring that up for everybody that was listening, just in case. 
But right. I think Fournier, uh, the Celtics have really, I mean, I'm not going to say they have a quote-unquote bad sense in terms of their players are bad because we don't know. You know what I mean? But that's the issue. We don't really know what they are. So Fournier has proven he's averaging like 20 points a game this season. You know what I mean? And he's and even if he weren't looking for him to be a 20-point-per-game guy, he's definitely proven he's a, a great shooter. So, you know, you bring him off the bench. Uh, I looked it up earlier. The Celtics bench is averaging like 32 point. I don't want to say, I don't want to say three. Point four points a game, 26 in the league, though. So they're, they're you know, bottom five bench. Uh, so you get it, you bring in 48 guys, you know, like I said, he's probably not going to average 20 off the bench, but, you know, at least maybe 15 or so, and you get yourself a strong bench, and so you don't have to be over-reliant, overly reliant on Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Or even Kemba Walker, if you want to bring that up, because, you know, uh, nobody really talked about it, but Kemba Walker – has not had a really great time in Boston. I think he's shooting like 40% this season. So it's like, you know, we all love Kemba, uh, but, you know, he hasn't been as consistent as you would want a star to be. So maybe at the end of the game, Kemba's cold and you could bring in Fournier. So, you know, that's an aspect of that, that that should be discussed. But I do think that it's weird that after Hayward left because it was too crowded and that Kyrie left, I mean, that's not because it was really too crowded per se, but we knew it was too crowded. It's like they bring in front of you. So it's like, so you don't really care if it's too crowded or not. <laughs> like, maybe right. when it's just a rental, maybe they just only care about what happens this season. I don't really know. We'll have right. to see how the whole dynamic works out. But I do think purely in terms of, you know, definitely in terms of the bench and as far as, well, Kimba, uh, I guess in particular, just making sure that, Guys don't have, you know, taking taking some of the weight off a of guy's shoulders. I think Fournier is definitely good for that. Yeah, I mean, I I get it for Boston. I get it for Orlando. It just kind of makes sense. I just don't know that Orlando got enough. It seems that seems kind of light. Like I, I think Fournier is a good fit. I don't think they made Boston pay enough. They didn't make. I don't. And, and I think the weird thing is second round picks are being like giving out like ice cream like <laughs> like like it's like an award now like you want to second right. round no like i mean you know i guess in the age of draymond greens and you know people think that you can just find diamonds in a rough all the time now like but no it's actually no. not like that <laughs> no it's not <laughs> so it's the not. fact that they've been like trading these second round picks like so much over the last two three years is actually funny to me um, that's why I actually laugh with everything the Thunder do when it comes to second round picks. Because like, I mean, you have a lot of draft picks for sure. The 17 first round picks, like that's that's crazy. That's impressive. You guys might make something work there. I just think you guys think you're going to trade for any star that comes available, like with your stop picks. <laughs> what but, uh, what are uh, what are the Bulls doing? What like, they 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 traded for Vucevic and they sent out Wendell yeah. Carter Jr. They sent out first round picks. You know, they're, the weird thing about that is it felt like a culture or it seemed like a culture move more than an on-court move, if that makes sense. Because I read something that said uh, our tourist, Karna uh, Sovis, uh, I apologize if I said his name wrong, but, you know, the Bulls uh, EVP, uh, they wanted to yep. bring in basically a, a pro, like a professional guy who was, you know, going to take everything seriously, especially somebody that could be like a cultural backbone. You know what I mean? And... It's weird because I feel like they said more about Wendell Carter Jr. and Otto Porter than, you know, anything. Because it's like, 
you know, the weird thing is I feel like any interview you ever see with Wendell Carter Jr., he seems very professional, right? So I was like, I don't even know if he was a problem. Like, but maybe it was Otto Porter. Like, maybe Otto Porter was just, <laughs> like, but that's the thing, though. Nobody's ever seen, well, you know, I don't to say never seen anything, because I think there was that one picture of him out during the pandemic, but, you know, like, nobody's ever seen him be, like, a bad person, per se, like, unprofessional. Right. So yeah. it was like, I don't know, like, exactly why they did that. It's weird to me, because I... And you're sending out two first-round picks for culture? That seems... That's what I'm saying. You're sitting out counterproductive. You're sitting out first round picks. You're sitting out a, a good young player in Wendell Carter Jr. And like and Otto Porter, like, you know, kind of like how we talk about Aaron Gordon. Like he was drafted and people thought it was going to be one thing. He trying to be another, but he's not a bad player. So it's like, you know, and then the Bulls aren't going to, I mean, I don't want to say it like they're not going to do anything in the playoffs, but it's just like, it's not like Vooch is going to take them to the finals over the Nets or the Sixers, you know what I mean? Like, so, like, I get it in a yeah. way, but I also feel like they, you know, they they basically, they did the opposite of what the Magic did. They traded away the future for, like, a shot at doing something, like, like a one, two-year span. <laughs> like, you, like, a lot of things would have to happen wrong for everybody else <laughs> for the Bulls to make it to the finals. Like, it wouldn't even be the the Bulls being just that good. That's what's crazy about it. Like, there's no way the roster would actually be good enough to take down the Sixers, the even the Bucks, or the Nets. So I actually don't – I don't know. But, you know. What are, what are the Celtics doing? They're, they're trading – they're sending out Tice? Oh. And they're bringing in Mo Wagner? Does, does this I make sense? What do, what do we got? This trade of the day, honestly. Because Tice really? pretty well, I think. Uh, and, you know, in being town, he, he was having a good year, and he's actually been a good player there his whole career. Yeah, uh, and so you know, he's a reliable guy. You know, familiar with Brad Stevens, the rest of the guys. And like I said, he's playing well. And you trade him for a guy like you know, people love Mo when he was in college, but once he got to the league, it's like he didn't really stand out. So it's like I, you definitely traded him away for a lesser player. So perhaps. Uh, you know, but the thing is, maybe they they just want to give Robert Williams the third. You know, you know, time lord, uh, more playing time as center. Like that could be a thing. Uh, one thing I noticed is that they seem to be taking his development real serious. Uh, you know, at the first year, he he spent a lot of time in the G League, uh, and then like for the last couple of years, you know, he's actually slowly becoming like more instrumental to the rotation. I think this year, not really a breakout season, but he's had some games where you're really like, you know, he's actually putting it together, you know, for real. So maybe trading Tyus was just a way of, you know, getting Robert Williams more minutes, but also you could have just brought Tyus off the bench. I'm pretty sure Tyus wouldn't have said a thing. Wouldn't have said a thing. So Mo is a weird little switch off. So, oh, but you know, the, the Celtics did seem to be having chemistry issues. So who knows, yeah. man? You know, like I said, I don't think Tyus would be an issue with the chemistry, but you never know what's happening inside a locker room. No. Like, <laughs> like and I was trying to tell someone that earlier, like, even us as media members, like, a player could tell us anything. We're actually the media. I would lie to me, too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like how's your relationship with so-and-so? Oh, it's great. You know what I mean? But in the back of my mind, like, I just have to tell you that so that you don't go and write about it, bro. Like, <laughs> so <laughs> we actually, we might never know 
you know, exactly what's going on in the locker room. It just seems kind of weird that a team so talented is having so many issues and that, you know, they'll say things post-game that make you wonder if they even really, really like playing with each other. You know what I mean? So it's like, like I said, maybe it's an addition by subtraction. Like, like, like we were just talking about with Otto Porter and Wendell Carter. I don't think they're – like, he's a bad guy or anything. But, you know, sometimes people just don't click type thing. So there could be an issue. Who knows? Yeah. And I'm guess, I guess Boston just doesn't want to pay him. He's going to be a free agent. But it doesn't seem like the kind of thing where if you like him and you want him around for the playoffs, like, okay, you lose him in free agency, big deal. Like it's – I don't know. Like, you know, Boston is sort of a contender. I mean, maybe that's a stretch. But, like, you know, historically the last few seasons have been a contender. Yeah, like if they maybe. get in there and somehow – flip the switch, quote-unquote, you know, and I guess they could surprise a couple of teams. They actually, they actually have enough talent, I believe, to at least make it to the, the – Yeah, I mean, Tatum gets hot for a month. Like, that's – it yeah, doesn't – you really have to have a whole lot more. Season? You remember right, right at the beginning of the season, Tatum and Brown were killing it. They were, like, having, yeah. like, 27 each. It, like, it was crazy. So, yeah. who knows? Maybe, you know, like I said, it seems to be a lot of teams in the East – Banking on the on the and maybe it's the new little play-in uh, tournament and everything. Maybe there's really banking on like a surprise playoff run. Maybe the Nuggets made them believe anybody could do anything last year. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed the Nuggets playoff run, man. That was that was fun. That honestly, they they made that playoff season one of the most playoffs, uh, most fun playoff seasons in in a long time. They were they were. Honestly, they were a like, good watch. Jazz after a certain point of time, because it was like, all right, they they can't stop anybody. This is, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like this yeah. is rough. And then right. they went down to the Clippers. I was like, no, not again. But I was like, this is crazy, <laughs> crazy. It's like watching a like a boxing match, right? And the guy goes down twice. Like he, you think he's down for the count, and then he he gets up, and then he wins the fight. And like that's like that that it was crazy. You're right. That was crazy. Yep. All right. Yeah. You want to talk about the uh, the Rondo um, Lou Will trade? You brought up boxing. I want to talk about Marvin Hagler, but yeah, okay, the Rondo trade. <laughs> I'm, my, my guy Marvin Hagler passed away a couple weeks ago, and like uh-huh. I've had this internal dialogue about whether to not just do five minutes on Marvin Hagler and just screw basketball and talk boxing because I love boxing. And he he was a sports guy that just influenced <laughs> the heck out of me when I was little. I, I was I just like watching that man box. But, uh, yeah, the Rondo trade. Um, Lou Williams for Rajon Rondo. What's that? What do you think about it? The Rondo trade? Yeah, yeah. what do you think about it? I mean, you know, you cover it. I I mean, from what I understand, the Hawks are getting Lou Williams, two second-round picks, and cash, which – to get off a contract that they probably don't really like at this point in time just seems absurd. Like I totally get it from the Hawks point of view. I just don't get it from the Clippers side as much. Like I, I, I can see how positionally he might fit a little bit better, but good Lord. It seems like they, they, they gave up the goose on that one. I guess it would be. Yeah. Maybe positionally. Yeah. Cause then they can kind of bring, they can play Luke Kennard a little bit more and get a little more shooting in there. And you know, they've, they've got Rondo and, they're more of a playoff team than the Hawks. They're thinking more about playoffs, and Rondo is a guy who's very much about the playoffs. So, playoff Rondo is a thing. 
Yeah. Oh, it's been a, yeah. Like he hasn't had a like a bad playoffs. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like no like matter he, what you see in a regular season, I don't know. Like, but the the, the playoffs, like <laughs> you know what I mean. Like different guy. Like it's just like he must like it it, it energizes him. Something like that. You know what I mean. <laughs> Uh, I really felt like I was really definitely in my mid twenties when I thought of my little Dragon Ball Z reference because it's like he was like Goku, like he liked to fight, like it, you know what I mean? Like it, 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 it gets him going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, I I like it. I'm curious to see um, one of the one of the people who I have on this podcast a lot, Glenn Willis, said that. You know, he thinks what it means for the Hawks, and I kind of agree with this to a certain extent. He thinks that it will re- result in more uh, John Collins as, as like a backup center, uh, which they already do a lot in crunch time. Hmm. Uh, but he just thinks that, you know, if, if you're going to use Collins with the bench lineups, you, know, you need to have a pick-and-roll point guard, and, and Rondo just really wasn't a pick and roll point guard. He was more of a set plays kind of point guard. And so it was kind of mix and match with the, with the bench players in terms of, of style. And, and I kind of agree with that. I, I think they, you know, kind of go in hand in hand with that. They might want their rookie, uh, Onyeka Akongwu, to do the same, to just get more sort of pick and roll reps so that yeah. they can get him involved in the offense more that way. I can see that. I'm curious to see how it affects the playing time of, someone like Skylar Mays who kind of was a, a flash in the pan for three weeks. And then when Rondo got healthy, he just kind of couldn't crack the rotation anymore. And he's just a second round pick, but you know, for a guy who was a second round pick who as was essentially a two guard in college, he looked really comfortable with the ball in his hands. And I don't know, maybe, maybe you, I guess you probably could play him next to Lou Williams because maybe the defense wouldn't work out that well, but you know, just kind of addition by subtraction. I wonder how much they're going to use Lou Williams. They kind of need, you know, the thing with Trey is that you kind of need a secondary playmaker who can punish teams because they try so much trapping with Trey. But at the same time, if Trey and Lou Williams is your backcourt, you don't stop anybody. So yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, maybe, <sighs> I don't know. Because yeah, I remember uh, as we as we were discussing, like, before everything went on, like, you know, last season, you know, I'd be up there at the games, and it's very clear that there's times when, when, when Trey isn't on the court, it's just like, nobody knows what to do. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I was saying to someone earlier, it seems like all they can do sometimes when Trey's not playing is defend people and, and get some rebounds. Like, you know what I mean? So, it's like, if you get Lou Will, you know, he's not going to make every shot, but he, he can definitely, he's a shot creator. He can make some tough shots. So, you know, this is a guy, you know, you can trust him to get, generate his own offense. He doesn't need Trey. That's one thing about it. He doesn't need him to get his own points. So maybe, you know, just from that pure standpoint, that makes sense. But just like you said, like, you can't play him. I mean, you could, but you wouldn't stop anybody. Like, you know what I mean? You can play him with Trey, but it would just be, uh, I don't know. <laughs> and then I wonder maybe just signals that, do they? Do you feel like the the Hawks aren't as in love with Reddish anymore as they were last season? Perhaps I don't. I don't think so. I mean, the Hawks have had this weird thing with like backup point guard. Like they just haven't really had one. Like they had Jeremy Lin for a while, and they let him go to the Raptors mid season essentially when they waived him. 
And they use that as an opportunity to say, okay, he, you know, Kevin Herter, you can play with the ball in your hands. Cam Reddish, you can play with the ball in your hands. Wintray sits. And so they used it kind of like a, a training tool. And I think they can do that some now too. Like you could play Bogdanovich with Lou Williams as kind of a backup bench unit and kind of have the ball sort of half the time in each one of their hands, kind of like a half point guard for each one of them. Yeah, Maybe the same thing with Herter. You like Herter's the point guard half the time. You know, you just kind of two guys who aren't really necessarily like pure point guards, but you know, if they're handling the ball half the time, yeah. you you'd be fine. And if 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 it, you know if the defenses get tricky and try to trap or something like that, you swing the ball. And there's another trusty bell handler on the other side. Uh, I mean, it's fine, I guess. I but I don't I don't think. Uh, you know, trading for Lou Williams, whose contract is set to expire at the end of the season, uh, means anything in particular for Cam Reddish. Uh, hmm. I, I just, um, I don't it's think just been, it's just been a long, a long haul in terms of like just get a backup point guard that you like and stick with them. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess in a way, it's kind of Bogdanovich. He's got the four-year contract, but. You know, his name seemed like it – I'm not saying – this is not reporting, but his name seemed like it was in some trade rumors. Yeah. Uh, like there is like, you know, when when the trade deadline passed or when, when Atlanta got done with their deals for the day, it's like uh, Atlanta's done for the day. You know, Bogdan Bogdanovich isn't going anywhere. And it's like, well – Was he supposed was to Was his name in – what? <laughs> <laughs> I guess his name was in some talks then, I guess. I don't I don't know. So – I guess it depends. More Maybe they're not in love with him either. It's just so weird. I, they just, so I don't he, know. It just feels like you should get somebody like Trey Young, and have some continuity. Like when Trey goes to the bench, here's this other guy who's not as good as Trey Young, but yeah. plays in a Trey Young sort of way. And then everybody on the roster can kind of get used to playing that style. And they just they haven't really done that. Okay, so that that's probably. So you think he play more of the, of the one than the two in terms of, in terms of Lou Will? I think he's just going to be like a one and a half, which is just something that they've, they've done so long with their bench. It's like everybody's a one and a half. We'll just put two guys who, you know, are okay with the ball in their hands and can shoot, and that, that'll be our backup backcourt. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, they've been doing it for a while. Uh, Nate McMillan's team, because, you know, Nate, uh, I mean, you know, he loves his defense. And Lil Will, for all, you know, we, we love his offense. He's definitely, you know, just, just not a good defender. So I was real interested in the fact that they would even trade. I mean, like, Rondo's not a great defender by any means. Like, but like we discussed with the playoff Rondo, it's totally like a different, like, thing. Like, I don't know. Like, he just has a different mindset in the playoffs. Right. So if they were to reach the playoffs, you would want, you know, Rondo out there because you could, you never know what he could do. Rondo is always going to be a smart player. You know what I mean? And right. smart players can, you know, usually compensate for whatever, you know, it is they may lack, you know, physically. So, I don't know. I and none like of these guys have been in the playoffs. So, like, I think if there was one benefit to having Rondo, it's like, okay, uh, the regular season is over. The playoff starts in four days. Uh, you want to have somebody talking to your players and getting in their ear a little bit. Who do you want in their ear? Like, you want Rondo in their ear. Like, I, that yeah. – that seemed like the one one of the big benefits to having Rondo is just kind of uh, somebody with some playoff experience who can tell these players, most of whom have never been in the play, even like Bogdanovich, like 
uh, I guess maybe he's been in the playoffs, but not not for long, for sure. Yeah, yeah, not for anything significant. I don't think he has been. I think he's. I think yeah, he's been over. Uh, no, then he's played for the Kings, so probably. Yeah, it's all Kings, and the Kings <laughs> haven't been in the playoffs in a while, right? Just for a quick second, uh, but yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah. So I don't think he's been in the playoffs. So like, there's just all these players who have never been in the playoffs. That, I mean, I guess Lou Williams might be the same sort of setup, but not not the same as Rondo. So I don't think the Hawks ever got to that version of the payout of bringing in Rondo. But it makes sense. I like the fact that that you know I don't think they were in love with Rondo's contract. I don't think they were in love with the fact that Rondo had guaranteed money next year. Mm. Um, and he's already 35. So, you know, I guess, you know, I think a big part of it was just kind of getting off a contract, uh, a guaranteed contract for next year. And, and, you know, Lou Williams's deal is, is one year shorter and he's probably not in their long-term plans. And, and honestly, it's going to be interesting to see if, if he gets in the rotation. I, I don't know. Oh yeah. Hmm. So you think there's a chance I, he will not stay full time in the rotation? I think, when he gets here, he will just because Reddish isn't healthy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but when Reddish returns, like you've got Tony Snell, who's been really excellent. Like he's a, when you get, you got a great, a really, really, I won't say great, but you got a really, really good rangy defender yeah. who can hit 50% from three and not on high volume, albeit, but you still have to respect him. Like he's yeah. been really good. Um, DeAndre Hunter is phenomenal. Uh, he's, you know, he's struggling a little bit coming back. Uh, his name popped up on the injury report today, which is a little bit concerning. Uh, he's, he had knee soreness. He listed him as probable, so I guess it's not that concerning, but he is there. And, you know, so you've got uh, Snell, you've got Hunter. When Reddish returns, you'll have Reddish, you'll have Bogdanovich, you'll have Herder. I think those are – that's five guys that the Hawks are more invested in than Lou Williams. Um and you can put Herder at the point. They've done that a lot. I think you could put Bogdanovich at the point. Um, yeah, it's it's. I I think if everybody's healthy, or if you get to the playoffs and everybody's healthy, it's going to be a little bit of a, a a pinch for Lou Williams. But without everybody healthy, he, he's probably going to get in there some way or another. Yeah, and that's actually I'm not gonna say it's probably a good thing that there's not too many million too many minutes for Lou Williams. But like as we discussed with, with the playoffs, like you know, it, the the defense is going to be a thing when it when it's when it comes to Trey and Lou Williams. So it's like there's actually only so many minutes you can really give them together, anyways. I mean, and you're going to need to have Trey on the court just because I mean he's not their only playmaker, but you know he's their he's their playmaker. So he certainly is. Yeah. So, so like I said, like at some point in time, you would end up having to put them together. So maybe the, it's like I said, it's a good thing for them to be in that position where they don't have to give Lou Will 20 minutes and Lou Will can't be like, why am I not playing over this guy? Like you knew when you came here, you weren't going to get minutes over Cam Reddish. So, you know, and I think Lou Will is a guy at, what, what is he like? 30, 35 or something like that. I think now? he's 35 and this is his 16th NBA season. Yeah. You know, so he, he came he, straight out of high school. He, yeah. He knows the game. You know what I mean? He knows how the, the, the league works. He's not going to come in and, and think he's just going to just like, like you might say, he's going to get his minutes at first because Reddish is out. But once he comes back, he's going to accept whatever happens because he, he, he knows what he has to do. So I think that's another thing about it. I think, you know, with Rondo, I think that's probably another thing. Rondo probably might not have been so so quiet, you know what I mean, 
about something like that. Like he might have been <laughs> the so, DNPs probably wouldn't have gone over well. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like like yeah. he would have he would have accepted it, quote unquote, in terms of he has to for his job. But you know he would have been it might you know some people that show their emotions like it's like in their aura type thing. It strikes me Rondo strikes me as that type of person. Like he would just be annoyed and you you walk past him like hmm <laughs> you know what I mean like. <laughs> <laughs> the, the one of the craziest things about Rondo is that, like, I th- you know after his introductory presser, I think he's been on Zoom like for a Hawks media availability once. Like there was one time, like after one game that he played well, it was like Rajon Rondo is coming to the podium tonight. It's like, oh wow, that's right, we haven't had Rondo come to like the, I don't know, he just. Maybe he didn't like it or they, you know, it's, it's weird because every game is a podium game. So you're only going to talk to three players, but I think he only did media once in his entire tenure, which is. That is different because, you know, there's obviously guys that don't like media, but I didn't know. Rondo never struck me as a guy who didn't like, you know, talking. I have no idea. Yeah. He just, but whatever the quirk was, he didn't, he didn't end up doing it. Maybe he just, I guess he just, you know, I feel like sometimes. He was hurt. At the games, yeah, you know, they, they pick the players who they feel like right. have the most to contribute. You know, and Trey's almost, you know, almost every game, Trey's going to be one of the three, so that's part of it. Collins is a great interview, so, you know, you're, you're going to want, you know, JC in there. And then, you know, the third person, fill it out. So maybe that was nothing. He might have wanted to be on the Zoom calls. But <laughs> <laughs> just to get in the game. <laughs> oh, man. So I had a question. Oh, before we end, and again, you know, when we get past this, feel free to bring up whatever topic you want. But what do you think about the uh, the Heat? I guess their biggest deal is they're bringing in Oladipo. Oladipo. Oh yeah, we never they, Oladipo. They brought in Bielitsa. They sent out Mo Harkless, Chris Silva. I don't know. Do do you? Yeah. They sent out Olinick. A little or, or smaller pieces. Right. Olenek is actually a good player. I mean, they had, there's this whole little reputation he had that, you know, his whole little pulling the arm thing. I mean, that's – Yeah, not even just that. Like he's, he's like an injury maker waiting to happen. That's what I'm saying. It's like I don't really know exactly how to gauge Olenek as a player, like in totality, but in terms of pure skill, yeah, he's a, he's a skilled guy. So I guess – I mean, in total, though, I don't really feel like the Heat sent out – I mean – like I said, it's not like they didn't send out any talent, but not like anybody substantial. Right. And Oladipo, I mean, injury prone he may be, <laughs> but but great he is as well. So you yeah. know, <laughs> I understand, especially a team like Miami. Uh, another team is definitely going to go to the playoffs. You know what I mean? So uh, you want you you want your guy. Uh, you know, that's that's not only going to be able to help you in the playoffs, but a guy who could take off the responsibility that I know is going to be on Jimmy Butler. Because, I mean, Jimmy Butler, for all, you know, it's, I feel like people nowadays, like, like, are, like people older than me and, like, maybe 20, 25 older know, like, like what Jimmy Butler was when he came to the league. Like, he was not, like, this, this great scorer. Like, you know what I mean? So, like, I feel like they probably feel – I've always felt like Jimmy Butler needs – at least one more person on at least around the perimeter to make a, a play for him. So they, you know, Oladipo is going to be great for that. Uh, I don't really know if he's going to stay healthy. I don't really know if he's going to stay. I mean, of course, 
he seemed like going to be in a big market. So perhaps he'll stay with the Heat because, you know, the city life or whatever. But um, I don't know. It also just seems just real weird. Like, I don't know. This the thought of all the people playing in Miami is just weird. Like, I don't know. I can't really wrap my mind around it for some reason. Like, maybe because it, it seemed like he was going to go to some other team. You know, he they were talking about him going to the Knicks for so long. And I feel like that was actually a more natural fit for him, to be honest with you. Like, I mean, because the Heat have, you know, they, they don't have playmaking guards, but they have, <laughs> sorry, they have guards, though. Like, Tyler Harrow, player. Right. Kendrick Nunn. Okay. There, okay, but I would I like that, and I'm sure that the Heat fans are, are overwhelmingly glad that that basically they gave up nothing to get Oladipo. Uh, but uh, none is not a good defensive player, and I wouldn't want Tyler Heater like guarding a coat closet. Like he's he's a terrible defender. It's actually hilarious that I feel like the bubble. Like I'm not gonna say the bubble. Well, players say the bubble make players look bad. I will say that. But <laughs> I, I, was like, I don't want to say Tyler Hero only looked good because of both. That's what I was going to say. It He's is, a good offensive player. It seemed like, you know, but the, like, you know, all the hype because of the offense, like you just don't really think about how these, like, you know, how guys might be on defense sometimes, unless it gets pointed out to you, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, you're definitely right about that. Tyler Hero and Kendrick Nunn, you know, they'll get you your, your, your buckets, especially from three. But, I mean, yeah. So all the people, especially in Miami, you know how Pat Riley is. He he wants his defensive guys. And I shouldn't just say Pat Riley because Spo loves the defense too. <laughs> Spo loves defense as much right. as anybody. <laughs> so all the people is definitely going to be a guy for that. But I, uh, like I said, I don't know. I guess it just remains to be seen. And I feel like that is because I felt the same way when he went to the Rockets. It, was, it just remains to be seen. Like, you know, a good player. Yeah. But is he going to be healthy? Uh, what is he going to – like, is he going to adapt to his new teammates well? Is he going to be on the move again? Because he just seems to not want to be anywhere. Apparently, like, he wasn't happy when he got drafted, like, with his situation. He went to Indiana, and I think cool things were cool there for a little bit. Got tired of that. Went to Houston. Got tired of that. And so, you know, what's happening next? Uh, what do you think about Miami as a playoff contender? Like, and just to – just forget – Anybody out West, just in terms of the East, like who can they come out of the East again? Or do you like somebody else better than them? Well, I will say, you know, my, you have your favorites. I, I, my current favorite, just for the record, is a healthy Nets team. I have to say healthy because if they lose any one of the three, I just feel like, you know, I mean, like they're still a great team, but not my right. favorite. Uh, so a healthy Nets team is my favorite, followed immediately by the 76ers. But uh, I do think that he could be either one of them. Like, honestly, even if the Nets were completely healthy, I do think that the Heat, I don't know what it is about them. Like, it's like some type of magic in Miami. You know what I mean? Like, like when it comes to the playoffs, like, kind of how we're talking about Rondo, like, it, like it, the juices get the flowing. Like, the juices get the flowing in Miami when, when it's playoff time. So, I think that, and you know, like, things slow down in the playoffs and, and the defense matters more and things like that. So, you have a guy like Jimmy Butler. You have all the depot. You have Bam. <laughs> which we haven't even said the name once, but I feel bad because we're talking about the Heat. So these are great players, you know what I mean? So yeah, between those three guys, like, are you going to beat the Nets? Probably not. But can you make some noise in the playoffs and and at least make it to the second round, uh, especially in the East? Yeah, I think you can at least make some noise. Uh, the final thing, I think it was a mix of, I think if the Bucks were healthy, 
I'm not going to say the Warriors, not the Bucks, but, you know, if Giannis himself was healthy last season in the playoffs, I do think that the things might have been different because uh, I feel like he tried to hide the injury at first, so none of us really knew. But, you know, uh, but I still think the Heat, you know, great team. And so I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? I think that one of the things, and part of it is just that Bam is so good, but because Bam is so good and Spo is so good, they're very good at coming up with zone defenses and junk defenses that kind of change the tempo of the game. And that works against some teams. Like it might work against the Bucks. It might work against the Sixers. I don't think that works against the Nets if Durant is healthy. Like there's just there's there's no clever defense yeah, for you're not, what you're the not, Nets can do. Or Kyrie with his own. Right. Yeah. So I I I like the Nets if <clears throat> if everybody's healthy. Um, I think that just negates one of Miami's big advantages. I, I think there are teams in the East where Miami is well-suited for that sort of thing, and the Nets are just the complete opposite of that. Like, they just, they just blow all that out of the water. It's just like, okay, uh, whatever we're going to do on defense is just kind of scramble for our lives. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, and it's funny because I, I don't think anybody thought the Nets were going to be a great defensive team when they got together, but it is actually hilarious that the offense is so amazing that it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, that is what's crazy about it. Like that is yeah. how good they are on offense. They could give up one forty. Yeah, they could give up one forty every night instead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, that's funny. That might be a good place to to, to end on. Uh, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Uh, it was a pleasure having you on, Quentin. For sure, I love doing it, man. Appreciate it. I haven't seen you in a long time, so it was great to see you again. Good to see you again, sir. Thank you, man. Good to see you.